Two movies into one movie leaves as we watch two manhunts. One just released on Netflix, directed by John Woo. The other written, directed, no, it's just directed by Fritz Lang in 1941. All today's There Can Be Only One Podcast. Welcome to the Derek Me Only One podcast where we watch two movies with the same title and have nothing to do with each other, mind you. Not some uh, cheap reboot or rethinking of something, but hey, we don't like these two movies with the same title that have nothing to do with each other. We're going to rename at least one of these bad boys, and mm-hmm. luckily I got my, my co-pilot with me. Herman Omega Prime Davis. He was <laughs> waiting for me to say my name. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm that guy. I think everybody knows that. It's Robert Dragonfly Rob. Yeah. Uh, Lemon Pie. Thank Lemon you very pie much. Now? Yes. Okay, my bad. My bad. Who, who's that cooling on us on a, on a windowsill? Why, it's Lemon Pie over there. He's just he's just chilling it with all of his other pies. Did you say the lemonade today? You like Warrant and Cherry Pie? Me and, yeah. me and him just hanging out? Yeah. You, you didn't say no lemonade today? Today was the day. Lemonade? Yeah. For what? Uh, lemonade stand, something, something, something they say, get out there and sell lemonade, kids, <laughs> teach them business or something. Why? I, what, what, I don't what, know. Where, where did this come from? I don't know, some kind of old school thing. I guess to teach them business and teach them economics. I did have someone try to sell me shrimp yesterday in my parents' neighborhood, uh, a buck a pound. That sounds suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> did they just walking around with, no, a, with a plastic bag? I was bag? walking. I was walking around and came in front of their house, and they said, "I have 180 pounds of shrimp. I've got to get rid of for a buck a pound." And I went, nah, "I don't need it." He's like, "Are you sure? It's only a buck a pound." It's like that makes it even worse. Like what? What? At, at the best, at the best, at a buck a pound, it's stolen shrimp. Yeah. At the best, at the worst. It's it's not shrimp at all. It's maggots, and they've just been packaged to look like shrimp or something. You know, yeah, like, that's weird, man. <laughs> no I, shit. My, my you, parents' neighborhood is getting weird. That's they, what I'm about to say. I thought your parents stayed in like one of the best neighborhoods in Baton Rouge. Their uh, neighbors two doors down the other way got raided recently by the cops for selling weed. They found <laughs> they found like bricks of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, these were the same Weed. people that. Yeah, they were going to build a pool. Like they, I think they're still because uh, they've already commissioned the people uh-huh. to build it. They're still building it in the same time that like these people are uh, like out on bond for for selling all that marijuana. Yeah, my parents are all proud that they have dope dealers a couple of doors down. You know that that sort of things. Like <laughs> they, we're in a crime neighborhood now. They so. hip now, you know. Yeah, yeah of course. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. But that the other neighbors, uh, they they they've been questionable the entire time. They're also the jerks that'll go around to people trying to ride you out for uh, playing doing fireworks on Fourth of July, like doing that whole is like oh, I, I saw some cops around here. I just thought I'd tell you, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. whatever, man. You know that's that's one of the first first Fourth of July, New Year's Eve. It's like come on, man, don't don't trip. Come on, out of two <laughs> two nights out the whole year. Right. They could, like, pop fireworks, play a little music loud to midnight. Yeah. It's no problem. Right. Just and I was, those two nights. I'm just trying to impress my niece and nephews. That's all I'm trying to do at this point. I'm not... <laughs> 
There's no other uh, ulterior motive other than like just to hear something go boom because that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched two movies, <clears throat> and of course Netflix and uh, almost all the streaming services are just a treasure trove of finding these sort of things. But uh, this latest one was uh, possibly a a bad move on uh, at least uh, one of the the imports that we've gotten from China. This is from John Woo, who is known for being a great action director in the late 80s, early 90s. And then he made a whole bunch of films over here in the United States that people might remember fondly, but more like as this is the goofiest shit I've ever seen. He's never made a film that you thought, man, this is a great uh, story. In any sort of fashion, the, I like, I like the f- he, and, and for somebody that hates Criterion films, the, one of the the first two Criterion films that they <laughs> like of the like in the first batch were The Killer mm-hmm. and Hard Boiled. So the two Chow Yun Fat films that got him overseas. So after he did those, he came over here, made Hard Target with, uh, with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Then he made Broken Arrow with uh, John Travolta and Christian Slater and Harvey Long. Uh, sure, I, I I don't remember him in it, but that's fine. And then he made uh, Face Off. I thought that was a good movie. And then he made Mission Impossible Two, which which a lot of people say is the weakest of the Mission Impossibles. It is, and that's fine. It's just a different director. If anything, Mission Impossible did a great job on creating a different view of what they thought the Mission Impossible series is. Through the eyes of a director. Like, that that was a nice move that they did. Because every single director had tied to it. Uh, and, and this is the first time I've actually had a, a, a repeat director. The one that's coming out this uh, this summer. Fallout. Yeah. yeah. Christopher McQuarrie. This is the first time they've had somebody actually, do, you know, do it again. I think it's just because um, you, you they've found Tom Cruise has been okay with that guy. Like, uh, it's it's weird to say he's developed a, a, a friendship with directors. Or maybe like there's just like That's weird. Weird to say. Tom well, it's Cruise just is that kind of guy that just. But it's not just one director. Like he he did the same thing with Doug Liman. Like he made he made uh, the uh, the Live Die Repeat film, the the yeah. Edge of Tomorrow film, and then he made American Made after that. The the one about the guy from Baton Rouge that uh, smuggled cocaine. Into yeah, the no, States. yeah. But Tom Cruise strikes me as a guy that would walk in a room with a hundred people. And before the night is over with, he'll try to remember every last person's name because he's just that type of guy. <laughs> it's a bad disease that you yeah. have. <laughs> it's like... Where you're trying to do all that stuff. Yeah, he, he remember your name, he remember your blood type and everything, you know, your favorite but cookies. But still, only one film with John Woo, though. That's, yeah. the, that's the problem. He, he made I mean, Mission Impossible 2. He made that... Uh, did you ever see that spoof that they did on... It was one of the MTV Movie Awards where... Ben Stiller played Tom Cruise's yeah. stunt double. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I might include that in the tra- instead of the trailer because yeah, Ben's- we, we our tra- the the trailer for this movie doesn't have any uh, language. It, it does doesn't have anybody talking in it. So I might just include that scene right now. I have to ask myself, who is Tom Cruise? What is Tom Cruise? Why is Tom Cruise? When is Tom Cruise? <laughs> I think if you're going to be a really good stunt double, you have to really become one with the actor. You have to walk like the actor, uh, talk like the actor, uh, legally change your name to sound like the actors. I don't think of myself as a stunt double, really. It's more like I'm a stunt one bull. 
don't think yeah, Ben Stiller liked to call himself <laughs> the Jewish Tom Cruise, and I mean, he got a point. Yeah, you know? sure. All right, so uh, this film called Manhunt uh, had an estimated budget of thirty million bucks. Uh, Box Office Mojo will not touch it with a ten foot pole. They don't. They don't say how much it made. If you do watch it on Netflix, it has the obligatory seven or eight different production houses. It's like when when you buy something and have to spread the amounts over like ten credit cards. That's about what it looks like every time you you watch a film from overseas, not just in China, but India. It's the same thing. It's never one production house that how that does this. Like you would have for a big budget film over here, mm-hmm. like Disney does Disney films. You know that that's that that sort of thing. Or Universal does Universal. This is uh, we have a whole bunch of uh, uh, very. Uh, I guess wealthy people that are willing to finance these movies, yeah. and thirty million bucks is a lot of money for something like this. So we're gonna try it out, and they they played this at a festival. I think it was the Venice Film Festival. Uh, to the chagrin of the investors, they saw this and went, "What the hell is this movie?" So they recut the film, <laughs> and they showed it to Chinese audiences. We do not have an amount of how much it made over here. However. It got picked up by Netflix because Netflix has one of those little algorithms that tells them that people like John Woo films and figure, hey, at least we might get some views off of this. And they did. They got me and Herman to watch this film. Yes. And before we get started on explaining this film, we implore you not to watch it unless you're unless you're familiar with the John John Woo formula because Herman was flabbergasted <laughs> at every turn at this movie. That it was being overly dramatic, and and that is the style, that is the finesse of John Woo, where he is great at action scenes, and he throws uh, uh, the emotion side of it as it's basically like watching a, a, a bad soap opera, like if you're watching a Mexican soap opera, that's mm-hmm. about what it turns into. Like they they uh, they vaseline up the screen. They get the doves flying everywhere, and then it, then they then they get all melancholy about something that's happened. Then they and start then they shooting get, guns in the air while falling down the stairs or sliding down the stairs. Sure, sure. They got they got the saxophone playing constantly. He he's got a style about this, yeah. and it's it is instantly riffable. We watched. Did you mention riding on the motorcycle with shooting guns? No, and we also, wait, 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 wait. Okay. We're getting into the movie. Oh, okay, I, okay. I'm talking about his style. Okay, okay? you're you're getting too far into this. Before I mean, we, that's what he does in all his movies too. All right, so it, you got to be prepared for this sort of thing because if you if you don't know him and you're just in it to see the action, this is definitely not one of those movies. There's there is some decent action in this movie. But not a lot. Um, I did like how they handled the the gunshots in this, where they had it almost made it look like you would see in war films, where it was an uh, extended uh, shot of the bullets as as it left uh, the the encasing, where it looked like it was a like a machine gun that was fired, where you got the extended long shot of the of the gun, like you, its trajectory to wherever the target was going. That was cool. I like that. Other than that. Uh, not not a ton of other action happening, and I think it had a lot to do with the premise behind the story on this thing. So, uh, Herman, before we get started, how many of those John Woo films that I mentioned have you seen? Let's see, Horrible, uh, The Killers. I watched a little bit of The Replacement Killers. Not That's not all it. Of it. As I wasn't John, Woo? I wasn't. I, that that you no, know, you're just naming Chow Young fat films now. Okay, my bad. Uh, I I walked out of Mission Impossible two. Uh huh. I don't. And then you walked right back in. You're like, oh, what was uh, I doing? I I know I watched Hard Target, but I can't 
I can't tell you the story other than that it starts off in New Orleans. It, it's a, they're hunting him, you know, yeah. the most dangerous man yeah. sort of thing. And I love Face Off. Okay. And uh, which means well, you have not seen it recently because that film is no, is is let, just, I, it's just like the film we watched. Last time I and seen you Face been, Off, you would have been like, "Old Herman, why did you betray me to think that this was a good movie?" Last time I seen Face Off was at the movies uh, when it first came out. Right. Yeah. Watch it again. It, <laughs> I and, don't know and if I should. No. <laughs> Unless and, and it's the reason why uh, why this has always been the subject that a John Woo film should be one of the films that we spoof out in the manship. And I totally agree, except it would probably be to an empty house because I don't think anybody else would want to see any of these films with us, uh, or, or at least the a film that they remembered as good, and then we just trashed the hell out of it. So if there's two movies called Face Off, I might want to watch. No, there is not. Never mind it. What's the other John Woo movie you? There, there is a uh, what? Did you name any more John Woo? Movies? Sure, I, I name them all the time. That's what I said. The Broken Arrow. I seen that. Okay. All right, what there. I remember from watching that, it's been a while. I, I liked it a little bit. Okay, so in this film, okay. <laughs> I, I'm done explaining it because uh, one of the main issues with this film is the editing behind it. It definitely looks like this was a three-hour <laughs> movie that they cut to about an hour and 50 minutes, uh, especially at the beginning. Uh, it also hurts that one of the assassins in this is John Woo's daughter and gets a lot more screen time than she needs to have in this True. film. Uh, you have uh, the main dude. Uh, it, it, according to this, his name is Duke Q, but I will just call him the main dude. That's fine. He is he is the lawyer of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have uh, the cop. As in all John Woo films, there are two main stars in this. You have the cop and you have the lawyer. Now, in all the other films that he's done, whenever you have an action film, you include two people that have professions where they know how to do action. If one of those people in this is a lawyer... That really throws that out of the curve. Like it's like, oh, what does a lawyer know how to do? Turns out a lot in this film. Yes. So the lawyer gets set up. There's a dead body in his bed, and he's got a knife right next to the body. And there's a woman screaming at the front of his apartment complex, or just in his apartment, saying, "Hey, that's the killer. That's the knife." As 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 clean cut as possible. But but this guy's a lawyer, so he's like, I know my way around law. I'm not going to say anything to anybody. Uh, turns out the cops were not cool with that whatsoever and, and basically tell him to run by uh, one of the cops grabbing the other cop's gun and said, you just did that. You better run. And he's like, well, I guess I better run because this is an action film. I guess I can't use my lawyering skills to get out of this mess. Uh, so it becomes a cat and mouse game between uh, the good lawyer, uh, the good lawyer, I guess the only good lawyer that exists in this, and the bad cops, but there's a good cop with a good assistant that thinks that maybe, maybe this lawyer didn't do anything wrong. So uh, it, it eventually gets incredibly complicated because it doesn't have one bad guy in this film. It has like three or four, and it doesn't need more than three, uh, than three or one, really. You just need Boss Tanaka, who it was the only guy that... You can uh, you you would probably recognize from this uh, film. He was in Kill Bill Volume One. He was the guy that uh, Lucy Liu cuts his head off whenever they show the scene with all the uh, yakuza. So he is uh, 
he owns a pharmaceutical company that is tied to the lawyer and tied to other shady deals. Uh, turns out they have developed a superhuman formula that they are going to sell to governments to create superhumans. And he has been using this on his, quote, daughters, who turn out to be just somebody he found at orphanages. Mm-hmm. Um, there are scenes in this uh, that that really, it, it takes a while to get to that point to understand that's what this movie is about. Like, when you think this film is over because the, the cop has decided that the lawyer didn't do the crime, there's still 45 minutes of movie left <laughs> because they have to solve this for whatever reason. They don't need to solve this, do they? No. It, they introduced, like, uh, an old case from three years ago that's tied to the story that they're trying to solve after they figure out the guy didn't kill him. So now they're moving on to that part. And then there's the backstory with the he the girls who he just picked up from the orphanage and, you know, what he's doing to them. And then there's also the, the, the super... The super soda serum that they use in the to dope up these people. It's a lot of stuff that that they just plot together, and all this is based on a book that was originally a movie set back in 1975. And the reason why he redid this movie was because he wanted to pay homage to the main actor in that movie. So it's it's a it's a cluster of things together that I don't think he should have touched with a ten foot pole, but. Who am I? Well, it, it, you could tell that he he found uh, the motivation behind this because if you've seen his movies, he has two stars in everything he does. Uh, not necessarily a bad guy or good guy. Sometimes they're both good guys. Sometimes one's good. Sometimes one's a bad. It, it's a nice mix of these sort of things. Like you, you always have two in the lead, and then there's some other people that are tied to the film that is just can, cannon fodder. Like they. They're the ones that go get mowed over for whatever reason. So that's that's his better films, The Killer, Hard Boiled, Face Off. There's two in, two in the lead in each one of these things. Do he find, do he do those movies? I never never looked it up. Was those original screenplays or was that like adapted from uh, other books or something? No, Mission Impossible was not something he thought up of. No, I mean horrible. His, the ones that we know <laughs> that made him, made him what he what, was. What do you have to think up of? A, a hospital gets taken hostage and then there's babies everywhere that he has to rescue. What, what sort of thing that he has to think up for, for, for something like that? I mean, that? that's complicated. It's before Women's Hospital was around. So, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't how hospitals made back then, you know? In the 90s? This is a 90s film. How really? old do you think John Woo is? I thought that was an 80s film. Oh, jeez, man. Well, all the saxophone playing and everything, I mean... Well, yeah, that's because that's a John Woo trademark. That's okay. Like I said, that, that this is a guy you have to accept. He has a certain formula for things. Of course, the doves appear, because they always appear in his yeah. films. Uh, but what, what really hurts this movie are the distractions in this film. Like, trying to get everything together for this plot to bring it together. It should have been very simple. It either needed to just focus in on the 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 uh, the lawyer yes, or the cop. They needed to be the main uh, leads in these things, but they added so many other people in this that it caused uh, it to get jumbled up. I thought he was going to get... The lawyer, I thought he was going to give one of the um, the daughters of the bad guy because of the opening scene of this film. Oh, jeez. That opening scene was pointless. But he got with another female in this movie that the female thought that he was the reason why her fiancé committed suicide on their wedding day. It was a lot of stuff in this movie that didn't just 
Well, what's great about the opening you know. scene, though, and, and we'll we'll track back to it. Uh, it turns out that the lawyer was just in Japan at this small restaurant and was hitting on the main lady, and it turns out she's like the hitman that's tied to this whole thing. But they start talking about old movies, and he's like, "Hey, you like old movies? I got one in my car. <laughs> I'm gonna get that for you." Yeah. And and it's just funny to think that I I do the same thing, but it, all the movies that are in my car are stuff that we've done spoofs on. So it's like, hey. You like Batman and Robin? <laughs> I got that copy. You like bad puns? It is. It is. Gotcha. It is just the bare bones DVD with no extra features. So uh, enjoy, sort of thing. But I must say, watching the movie with you was funny this time because this is the first time <laughs> Robert was so aggravated by a movie that I seen him that he just could not like be flabbergasted at how bad the movie was. I was like, damn, Robert usually is not this. He's not this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Frustrated? Yes, yes. He was like, it was obvious that I knew that your take on this movie was not going to be good. It's not that it isn't. It, it, these these are the type of movies that like like catfishing exists for. It's to keep you awake and paid attention. Sometimes a movie will, will don't, they, they won't try. They, they say safe in the numbers and you get kind of bored with that. But this is this is a film that you need to bring to like a movie class to explain how you should not make a film like this because <laughs> it does so much wrong. Do you do you think it was John Woo or the person who cut the film? Because at one scene, look like the woman picked up a baby, and then like one second after it, no baby. Yeah, uh, it it was it's definitely a mix of those sort of things. The the hobo town is probably the the deciding line. It really looked like something that would exist. In Disney World Tokyo or something, you know, like, hey, come on and hang out with all the hobos and play the harmonica with us. They, oh, you can't play an instrument with here. Take this bottle and just blow on top of it, and it's gonna make a sound, and you just keep up with the rhythm. Right, that's basically what they had for this place. There was a unmarked van that would get ten of these people to come work, <laughs> and the, the, the exposition hobo was basically telling him that. You know, they come and pick up like 10 of these guys every week or so, and they never come back. But but everybody's like cool with that. It's like, hey, it's a job, whatever. And, I, I, I mean, it's Japan. We want to work. I don't so. know if you had two and out one before, but you know they gave him a backstory too. Yeah, he's supposed to have like – he was also supposed to be on the run. But, yeah. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> they gave everybody a backstory in this film. Yeah, that, that's, that, that hurt this film more than anything was not focusing on the leads and giving way too many – possibilities of romantic uh side plots in this like you have you have the assassin romantic you have the woman that that uh her husband died on their wedding day uh you also have uh there was some other ones thrown in there too like the assistant for the cop was also like you thought maybe there was something there you know mm-hmm. and you got you got too many and not necessarily love triangles just like love lines that just intersected at certain points, like a weird Venn diagram of of love, parallelogram, octagons and stuff. Yeah, and that that's too uniform. This this went everywhere. That that was the problem. It was a love trapezoid. So here's the thing: we got to rename this movie, mm. uh, and not 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 just because it's bad, and and by no means um, uh, will the 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 other film affect our decision in any way. It it has nothing to do with the manhunt because that manhunt is is like done after thirty minutes in this film. Like you, there's no more hunting this guy. He's there. Mm-hmm. They they caught him, sort of thing. But it, when they caught him, they're like, I don't think you did it. I was like, I agree. Let's be best friends. And then they 
<laughs> and then they're the ones that fight everybody. This film, uh, uh, we were trying to come up with titles before we we came up uh, before we came here. Like immediately, like with thirty minutes left to go in the movies, like we're coming up with a new title yeah, for yeah. this film. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't any decisions otherwise on this. The title before seeing the film for me was "To John Woo, Thanks for Everything, John Travolta." <laughs> But no, that's too long and has, doesn't fit this movie at all. Uh, this film deals with the, the side effects to a um, uh, a drug that multiple people are taking in this film. So I thought Reaction would be a cool title with the A capitalized. So you have Reaction, like Reanimator sort of thing. And there really isn't a film named after that. But they said the title in the film. And it's a title that works on two levels. It was just something we caught, and we're like, you're right. This film works. This guy is trying to prove he is not the murderer, or in other words, he is not the killer. So this film is called Not the Killer, and it also serves as a warning for anybody (laughs) trying to watch this. Hey, you think this might be the killer? No, it is not the killer. This is way down the list of John Woo films that you should see. Like, it's really, really, it's, it's, if you haven't seen Hard Boiled or The Killer, they're up there. If you want to see something fun, face off, sure, why not? Uh, but it isn't really that great. Uh, I'll just I'll just flat out say it's not that great. Paychecks, another one he did. That was the that was a movie that had John Woo's daughter. You know daughter what? That it. actually was not bad. It's bad. It uh, was not it, bad. Herman, it's bad. You uh, remember this wrong. You had people telling you it was good. It's, Paycheck, it's not, I was what twenty three years old, twenty four years old. It's bad. It's uh, bad, I tell you. I like time. I like those paradox movies like that. Okay, fair enough. Amnesia. But this film needs to be called Not the Killer. It's it's just that simple. But uh, we definitely had another film to watch after this, and heartbroken from the first film, we decided to pull out this next one, which comes uh, to us from 1941 and also available on YouTube because YouTube's great like that. Uh, it also has a trailer with no words in it, so I might include... A scene from The Simpsons that I enjoyed that pretty much sums up this movie, starting right now. <laughs> now they'll never save your brain, Hitler. <laughs> Little help? <laughs> Boom! Just like that! They took a photo of my keister for stars and stripes! At least they told me it was for Stars and Stripes. Aye, caramba, man. <laughs> yes, ex- perfect. Perfect. I don't need to include. Of course, that was the scene where Grandpa Simpson tried to kill Hitler. Like, that. That that's the one I wanted to include. Whenever he was a member of the uh, the, the fish, the uh, ship, what were they, the fighting the, the hellfish. hellfish yeah. The fighting hellfish. Uh, this film is directed by Fritz Lang. Have you seen anything Fritz Lang has done? No, this is uh, the first one I have seen. He did M, and he did uh, Metropolis. Those are like the two main films you would know Fritz Lang from. Mm. Is, it, is it M, Thou M for Murder? Or no, just it's M? just M. No, okay, it's no, a German film. Uh, I, I would highly suggest looking that one up. That one's mm. better uh, only because uh, I, I don't know if you have the same problem I do when it comes to uh, silent films. Uh, they put me to sleep. So yeah. uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Metropolis included. Uh, I fall asleep. So uh, that <laughs> that was just one of them. This one uh, is about a guy who is a world-renowned uh, hunter. Hunter of uh, many of... Uh, big game hunter. Yes. 
but but he hasn't hunted his, the biggest game of them all, and that is man, specifically a man that is the head of Germany right now, Hitler. So the opening scene just has he's he's uh he sees Hitler just like looking over the balcony. He's like, I got this, and and he's about to shoot him, but no, he gets stopped. Uh, this is this this takes place on in 1939, presumably because it, it, this is also the same year that uh, England joined the war. But in 1939, they were current at that at that point were not at war with Germany, so it was just a guy going there to try to stop Hitler. Yeah, but he kept saying like, "No, I just wanted to to say that I could do it, <laughs> not necessarily do it." Just be there and do it. Uh, Just to clarify, it took place one month before uh, Germany invaded oh, Poland. They had, they, they, yeah, he, he he clarified that at the end. Okay, so uh, he gets uh, imprisoned by the German uh, folk that are there and given an ultimatum. And the ultimatum is you get to live as long as you sign a document that says, I was trying to kill Hitler. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, Pfft. I didn't do that. And he's like, and they're like, no, you definitely did. And we're going to throw you off a cliff otherwise. And they certainly did. Uh, but, you know, throwing people off of cliffs in movies, that's one of those things that if you did it in real life, you'd be dead. But there's so many movies I've seen where if you throw someone off a cliff, they still live. Unless they fall on a cat that's a tree or something, then they just bleed out, right? Oh, not in re- are you talking about what happened in Revenge? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, when you throw someone off a cliff early in a movie, that means they're okay. It's yeah. one of those. It's one of those things that you never expect to happen. There was there were several films that I've seen recently where they've done this. Uh, there there was a uh, a horror film that was at uh, in Austin that uh, will will infuriate you if you watch it because of the decisions that are made in this film. But uh, early on, uh, someone gets thrown off a cliff and they don't die, and it happens again. Like there's another scene where the same goes, person get thrown off again. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like like you by the same person. Like it, it's one of those things. Is like you didn't learn your lesson, did you? That that still doesn't solve anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they don't look for him that night. They <laughs> they wait until the morning, uh, whenever he's regained consciousness, and he's able to escape and get on a boat and make it back to London. Everything's great. And uh, they don't have to worry about anything anymore, right? And that and that how it works? Nope. There is a guy impersonating this big game hunter uh, as a way to see if they can fish out this uh, this uh, the, the the guy that they're actually trying to look for. The pr- protagonist. The protagonist. Uh, I'll, I'll pull up his name. He he's he, been in- he went by the name Thorndike in the movie, so I don't know his real name. Um, it is Captain Allen. Uh, I'll pull a full cast. That might be uh, Captain <laughs> Alan Thorndike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Alan. Let's just call him Captain. Okay. You want to call him Captain? Yeah, the Cap. Captain. Uh, he's he's uh, trying to find a way to get around it, and he uh, runs uh, into a uh, you, you know like the uh, I guess I guess the towny girls that are in England, the ones that, that that need to be trained to be a civilized person, sort of thing. I was thinking my fair lady. Uh, yeah. You know when I when when she started talking. Um, what they call that? That uh, that the Cockney. Cockney. Cockney yeah. accent. She, she yeah. had a Cockney accent, and is uh, the comic relief for a lot of the movie. Uh, the the whole time she's either like I'm I'm coming with you, or uh, you, I, you know basically just she becomes his short round. I think is the best way if you <laughs> want to think about it. Just will not leave him alone, and I think it has everything to do with like I found me a man, 
And yeah. This guy is going to be my man. I don't care if he's being hunted by Germans. That's kind of hot. So uh, he's on a hunt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this film is basically a cat and mouse game uh, while in London, among other things. And it does a great job, just like in his other films. Uh, uh, Fritz Lang does a great job of setting the mood with just the the, the tension that's built without needing any, any sort of uh, dialogue or music in this. And it... And it actually has a tie-in to the manhunt that we watch, where they actually have a, a scene where he goes down a, uh, a uh, like a subway, a, a subway, and it and that whole scene, like when it happened, you're like, oh damn, that like when 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 the the fight actually occurred, and it's one of those things you just never expect to see when it when it has. Something and they like had that. birds in this too. That they did. Yes, but they were seagulls, and it was just an establishing shot. <laughs> yeah, there we. You find out if you go to the IMDb page on this thing. This film was one of those movies that were uh, uh, trying to coax the United States into war against Germany. It was like, a propaganda film. Yes, it uh, came out it in felt forty-one, like, so it was before the U.S. really entered the war. Yeah, it felt like the last ten minutes were just kind of tacked on uh-huh. to make it look like this is a, a war film. Not not as so much as like Pimpernel Smith, the film that we saw over in Austin, which also is another um, good classic black and white movie that um, I, I like. Just like this one, like you say, Fritz Lang, um, he does do, do a good job of keeping you interested in it. Yeah, he, uh, it 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 did great on the dialogue too. What's interesting is it doesn't have subtitles. It may have subtitles on other versions that you watch, but you really don't need to know what the Germans are talking about. You mm-hmm. you just need to know what your protagonist and everybody else that speaks English is uh, interested in the scene. Uh, there's uh, a whole series of movies that, that were made specifically, but I can understand why Fritz Lang was involved in this, because he was German, and he was not in Germany while this was going on for a reason. He's like, eh, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, it I might mean, not be something I want to be a part of. So, I mean, recent uh, show, what was that Tom Cruise film that came out that tried to show you the other side that a lot of Germans... Did not agree with Hitler. Like about Valkyrie. Yeah. Then they actually was trying to like. You just have Tom Cruise on the mind. Well, dude. we were talking about him so much today. You know why not? Tom Cruise is dreamy, man. There's a documentary on Netflix that, that does a better job than than what Herman just said. Yes. <laughs> Called Five Came Back about directors that were trying to help the war effort. Uh, this is actually when U.S. was in, in the war. They would act, they would go and film scenes that happen like they would film propaganda footage that that would be played in front of movies and it was like big time directors that went on the front lines and filmed these uh these uh shot uh shots for everybody to see and it felt like what we watched at the end was a way to get propaganda and they even included like yeah like they that's when they first started like throwing in like all the patriotic music is like right at the end well you gotta think i was thinking about that when this movie came out in 41 like you say mm-hmm. They have a guy. The war still. The war went on until nineteen forty four, right? Or forty five. I'm getting my ideas. <laughs> Wars never stopped, Herman. <laughs> Keep going and going. But <laughs> the war will always rage in my head. They ended it with saying that he's a highly skilled man with a long range rifle, and he's got the skills to use it. Yeah, and he's out there somewhere. Right, right. In the in the same way, other films that are pseudo documentaries try to throw out there is like. There's hope. There's hope out there. We're not sure when it's going to end because we're yeah. putting this out there during this whole thing. But we're trying to tell you, hey, we have we have one guy fighting for us. How about you? That's basically all they're trying to say. Don't you think? Yeah. No? Okay. And no one is half the battle. Sure. 
Yeah. So, I mean, oh, we forgot to mention that uh, Roddy McDowell. Um, <laughs> that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just funny. We forgot to mention, hey, he turned 81 today, Roddy McDowell. That, that, that's basically the way he made it sound like you're a weather guy. It's yeah. Like, no, he's in it. He's, what, maybe eight, ten, somewhere yeah, around he's there? he's a cabin boy. He helps the um, protagonist cap. Um, Cap- Captain. Get get on the boat and, and stow him away and stuff and uh, keeps him hidden until they get to London. Right, right. It, it's uh, and those are those are probably some of the better. Like this is definitely more of a cat and mouse game than what we saw with the first film. But we didn't need the first one to be a cat and mouse game. No. We needed more action to be thrown in there, and it felt like there was a dearth of action. And it could easily have been solved if they made the guy that was on the run something other than a lawyer. Like somebody, somebody's like, oh, just like a kickboxing well, instructor no, or something. No, like what they do nowadays. Like uh, the ramp, I'm, I'm thinking about this because this last one I seen the rampage with the rock. Yeah, he's a zoologist, but he used to be an ex army uh, special ops background and everything. Right. They mission that you know, so that's why he able to like know a how to know his gun. Protein yeah. is what we're looking <laughs> for. Somebody, yeah. somebody that just just chugs. Pounds and pounds of codfish uh, is what we're looking for. Oh, he's a lawyer, but he paid for law school by fighting underground cage matches. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's all you need to to get anybody interested in what he's doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, there. It, it's more appropriate for this second film, and and I'm sure you'll agree with me that this second film should just stay manhunt. Yeah, I agree. What's I funny? mean, because it was manhunt. The Germans was looking for the man and hunt, and I, and that woman. She was painfully obvious that she was looking for a man too. Damn so it, straight. It was like two people looking for this man, and you know. Now I'm not sure how good the second film. At least there, there's at least one other film that Fritz Lang that we, we can actually do that I've seen over at the library. They had a copy of this. Cloak and Dagger was another one that we we could do for this didn't podcast. We, uh, wait, then wasn't that on the list to do anyway? It's possible. I think I think it was, but then they street movies. Then the name Cloak and Dagger. Then was there? What's the other one? I, I don't know, but I know we talked about Cloak. I know we talked about Cloak and Dagger. Um, I just know the one from the eighties. I don't. Uh, they if they came up with one recently. I'm not. I'm not familiar with it. Nope. Uh, would you think it has a higher or lower, without knowing anything about the movie, higher or lower IMDb score than the film we just watched? Which one? The Cloak and Dagger film. Um, no, I think this one has to have an eight. So I'm. Gonna go it was a seven point four. Oh, the Cloak sure. and Dagger film has a six point seven. I saw in the roundabout way. I was right. <laughs> That's all I heard. Herman, you just think of yourself as like, oh, well, I was right. Doesn't yeah, matter. I was right. I may, I may have got the number wrong, but I did say it was higher. Yeah, of course I was yes. right. Yes, yeah, you know. But he made, uh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's plenty of films that he made when he was over in uh, Germany, and he made a ton of silent films, including Metropolis, which is considered mm-hmm. his piece de resistance. But uh, M is the one that that makes all the Criterion list, and if you have not seen it. I highly recommend watching it, uh, but but he's he's one of those he's just a um, he's just one of those directors that that's considered admired and 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 I can you can understand why he decided to uh, devote some of his career to making propaganda films around that time because he's from Germany and he decided to leave Germany and he's like well I better do start doing uh, some pro like hunting down Hitler things because you know not everybody would agree with it. But it, at the time, they needed that support because America. I mean, you got to figure America didn't want to get themselves involved in another war. You know, after watching um, Dunkirk and um, the darkest, uh, darkest hour. Yeah, I did not realize 
how close Germany actually came to world domination. Like those motherfuckers actually was pretty close. Like if um a lot if uh, if a couple of things didn't happen, well, they would have never taken over Russia. That, yeah. That's just one of those like you just. I thought don't... it was allies with Russia back then. No, no, they weren't. Uh, okay, uh, they we were allies with Russia. Mm. <laughs> But they wanted to take over Russia. Yeah, fascism is the complete opposite of communism. It's on the other scale. Communism is far left. Fascism is far right. You think it's just cyclical? Like they would just run into each other the other way? But he wanted to take over Russia, and Russia is not a country worth taking over because it is huge and it is cold, and (laughs) and nobody wants it. Should should want any part of it. It, like the people that that uh, that are in Russia are just they're, they're hard nosed. They're they're the ones that have survived all those harsh winters and stuff. You just don't want to mess with that country and try to take it over. But every every uh, dictator that has uh, uh, aspired for world domination has made that mistake. Like Napoleon. Yeah, I was I was thinking about him. Yeah, with the war. Oh, you're always thinking about him, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, man. You know, nice little head he'd be having. On. Yeah. Do you think Tom Cruise should play Napoleon? Uh, he's too short to pay Napoleon. Boom! <laughs> That's called a herm burn. That's what we're looking for. Yes. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to say about this? I think we've talked enough about both of these movies. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad I... Can you tell I had a cold? Did you? Okay, no. Okay, well, no, I, I, not really. Yes, yes. Well, then I did good tonight. <laughs> I did good. Uh, go watch movies. That's that's what we're going <laughs> to recommend. Not the not necessarily the movies we saw. Not not saying that this, uh, the Fritz Lang uh, Manhunt isn't worth saying, but but uh, go out there and enjoy yourself. You know what movie I'm actually like? Watch a movie on us. My, you know I have daughters and stuff, and sometimes they show me something that's not on my radar. Daughters and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I you know I be perusing through trailers on YouTube, uh-huh. and my daughter's time and say, Dad, pull up that trailer. You ever heard of the movie Crazy Rich Asians? Uh, I might be yes. saying it wrong. Yes, because it's on the list of uh, for movie fantasy league. Yes, yes, I think I picked it too because because well, I, of the trailer. Be, oh. No, because of the way my daughters reacted to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this type of stuff. I think I think it's gonna, it's gonna be I think it's gonna be sold. You know, like they're gonna watch it. <laughs> that's just like that's my dog. Hey. I took a chance on Black Panther. I told you Black Panther was going to be a chance yes. on Black Panther. <laughs> I took a chance on Black Panther. Uh, even <laughs> even though even though it was the highest priced film on on that season. For yes. those of you that aren't aware, I have a movie fantasy league uh, that uh, pits other people's knowledge of, of what they think a movie is going to do well or not. And last uh, spring, the highest cost movie was Black Panther, and Herman. In his infinite wisdom, thought, "Hey, this little studio putting out a superhero film. Yeah, Disney. I think they might have yeah. a good shot at it. So uh, uh, count me in." And it, you know what? Good on you, Herman. Yes. You you believed in something when no one else did. No one else yes. in that season picked that film yes. once. They picked it twice. <laughs> Come on, Herman. And I went. I went totally opposite this time and did not pick Avengers. Yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, that eh, eh, happens. Anyway, uh, uh, that, that's enough. Uh, so the John Woo manhunt, guess what? You have been demoted down to not the killer. Fritz Lang's manhunt stays the same. Uh, we, we are, we are uh, of course, still available if you want to talk to us or uh, give any suggestions to us uh, through the magic of email. I think we keep our information up there. Just contact us. Or contact Jeremy. He'll eventually contact us about that sort of thing. And if you do contact us, let us know because I begin um, some friends' requests on Instagram, and 
you know, I accept everybody <laughs> on Instagram. So I don't know if y'all like this found me through the. Sh- do this podcast or what? But I would like to know if you know y'all listen. Are to you us. those hot ladies that have been uh, requesting <laughs> to get to know me? I'm like, I don't trust hot ladies sliding all into my DMs. Yeah, yeah. Saying what you doing? I'm like, I'm sleeping. Yeah. yeah. For another that can be only one podcast. My name is Robert Rao. Herman Omega Prime Davis. Good night, everybody. Back. I wish I could remember the song. Shit. Right. I don't know. <laughs> That's one way to look at it, sure. Yeah, yeah. How you been, man? I'm hanging in now. Just working, 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 getting ready for the graduation. Sure. Haven't been able to get to the movies. Um, Did go see Avengers. I don't know if we talked about it yet on this podcast. I'm sure we've mentioned Avengers at some point. Not necessarily uh, Infinity War, but Marvel Cinematic Universe has touched us deeply and affected every podcast that we've done up to this point. Why... Let's take a moment to reflect on how it's touched each and every one of us in our special ways. Herman, if you will. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think Herman just got a little turned on by thinking about it. He's like, ooh. Yeah, it was a lot, man. Maybe like the last, last 10 years. Who would have thought that Iron Man would turn into a movie franchise like this? Like, I mean, no, nobody's seen this coming with Iron Man first hit the screen with Robert Downey Jr., right? Yes, everybody saw it coming. Yeah, right. You didn't remember them <laughs> saying uh, after the end of Iron Man, wait until you see what we got up next. I think it was a crapshoot and stuff. Right. Because I really thought when they, uh, when I heard the deal that Samuel Jackson got, like a 10-film deal, I was like, why? Like, it's, it's not going to last that long. Yeah, and all he has to do is appear in the last five minutes of all these films. Yeah. So he, he doesn't have to do much of anything. So, yeah, it works, man. What have you seen lately? It, it definitely made it uh, to where if I were to name an actor, like if I could only see one actor's work for the rest of my life, Samuel Jackson makes it up there just because of everything he just appears in. So if he can just be at the end of every film, that would that would even work better. So, so. You, Okay, yeah, because I guess a cameo does, does count, right? Yeah. Yeah, cameo counts. Yeah, especially after they did Word Up. They were great, man. <laughs> when you see Samuel Jackson, Word Up. You know, that's basically what it was. You know, he was like, hmm, I like this cameo idea. You don't remember him thinking that afterwards? I thought you were talking about the cameo Nicholas. No. No? All right. Oh. We, we're done. We're done talking. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs>